Tapping, and this is Dave from Dave Root Band and Tesla, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. What's up, it's Andy Fish and Blackville Bride, and you were listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Randy Cooper of the Texas Hippie Coalition, THC. You're rocking with Iron City Rocks, and we're pissed off and mad about it. Hey, this is Kip Winger, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, and heavy metal music scene. Episode 100, we're digging out a couple interviews that I've done recently uh, to kind of celebrate the 100th episode uh, milestone that uh, I have to admit when we got started, I never thought we'd even come close to. So we're going to be talking to Dave Rude, guitarist of Tesla and also the singer and guitarist of Dave Rude Band, a uh, power trio that he does uh, kind of as a side project and actually even had done before Tesla. And we're also going to talk to Lenny Wolf, vocalist of the band Kingdom Come, who had had uh, several uh, sort of minor hits in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. They were part of the Monsters of Rock tour that had come through Pittsburgh with Van Halen, etc. So, two interviews that I'd done um, hoping of interest to you. So, get us started. We're going to play a band from Pittsburgh. This is Through These Walls.
All right, that was Through These Walls with Falling Towards Your Fate. You can find more information about this great Pittsburgh band out at myspace.com forward slash Through These Walls Music. Now we're going to get into an interview I did with Tesla and Dave Rude band guitarist and vocalist Dave Rude. Uh, for those not familiar, the Dave Rude band is a power trio. Dave plays guitar and sings. Um, we've got a bass and a drummer, uh, whereas he is one of two guitarists in Tesla joining the band officially in 2006 of a Forevermore album. So we're going to play a song from the Dave Rude band called Own the Night. Then we're going to play uh, one of the latest studio recordings from Tesla, a song called So What from the album Forevermore. Then we'll get into the interview.
has returned. Danzig. The Death Red Sabaoth Tour. Leave the poser rock behind. Come see the real deal. There is only one Danzig. The Death Red Sabaoth Tour. With special guests, Devil Driver and Two Cents. Friday, May 20th, 7 p.m. at Stage AE. Tickets go on sale Friday, March 5th at 10 a.m. At all Ticketmaster locations, charged by phone at 800-745-3000. Or online at Ticketmaster.com. For more information, visit PromoWestLive.com. The new album, Death Red Samuel, out now. The unrivaled master of dark rock, Danzig. The Death Red Sabaoth Tour. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Opus One. I wake up in the night, the nightmare comes alive. My heart is beating like a drum. It's only three a.m.
Ladies and gentlemen, with great pleasure, I welcome from Tesla and from the Dave Rude Band, Dave Rude. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I am doing wonderful. Hey, I wanted to, to have a chance to talk to you kind of before the summer tour season heats up uh, with your, I guess you call it your day job at the guitarist at Tesla, but find out a little bit more about um, what the Dave Rude Band is and what you guys uh, are kind of about and how you differ from maybe the, the band that everybody kind of knows you with. You actually started out, uh, did the Dave Rude Band kind of precede your joining Tesla? Yeah, actually, it's the reason I'm in Tesla. Um, we started playing together um, with a different drummer um, years ago. Uh, well, I, it, it wasn't very long, actually, until the whole Tesla thing happened. I, I think I started the band in uh, two, late 2005, um, and initially, it, it, you know, it was just a solo project, and I, I didn't want to have to worry about keeping permanent members and all that. I just figured, well, I'll just hire people whenever we you know, do shows and all that. Um, but, you know, eventually, um, it, it, when, once I started playing with Junction Marcus, it became a real, you know, band. So it's, it's definitely not a solo project. It is a, a true band like any other. But, um, but, you know, by that point, we were stuck with the name. And, and anyways, we started the, you know, we, we did a quick recording um, and put it up on our MySpace page. And, you know, literally six months after I'd started the band, um, Frank Hannon um, from Tesla found our MySpace profile um, just by accident. And, you know, we didn't know each other at all. I didn't know anyone in the band or any of that. And um, he emailed me, and, and um, it kind of all fell into place from there. And, you know, two months later, I was in Tesla. So it was kind of weird. Yeah, that is now. No, I, I have to ask you, when you get an email from Frank Hannon um, asking you to, to you know, get in touch with him, did you take it seriously when you first saw it? I know I get a lot of weird stuff from MySpace now. I mean, this is obviously six years or so ago, but did you, did you yeah. kind of take it seriously when you first got it? You know, um, I did because I, I clicked on it. I sort of checked and looked, it looked pretty legit, um, you know, and, and also it wasn't like, it didn't sound too fantastical. Cause if, if he mm. said, hey, what's up? I'm Frank Hannon. Do you want to be in Tesla? You know, that, then I might not have yeah. bought it. Uh, the thing was, he, he he initially just said, "Hey, I'm I'm looking for a, a second guitar player to do a, a two week tour with my solo band, and you know next month, and you know I you, you seem like you you know would be a good fit. Are you you know possibly interested? You know we can jam and see if we get along and all that, and see see how it goes from there." And so I was like, "Oh yeah, okay," and that made sense because I had heard of the Frank Hand band and they had played around. Mm-hmm. The Bay Area a lot, and I actually had never seen them, but I'd always wanted to because I was a big Tesla fan. I was like, "Oh wow, cool, Frank Hannon's playing." Uh, it never worked out, so I never got to see him. Um, so the first time I saw him, I played with him. Yeah, that's <laughs> which the, kind of funny. That is but, the way to it, see it. The... It was great though. Yeah, it was, it was killer. Uh, you know, so like a week after he emailed me, we went up and or I went up and, and jammed with with his solo band, and you know, uh, a couple weeks after that, I went on a tour with him, and a month after that, I started a tour with Tesla. So it was pretty wild. Now the the band, I, I kind of I often wonder when it, when a situation like this comes around. How did did Marco and Josh kind of take the news? I mean, probably looking back, it was a, a great opportunity for their band. But I mean, was there any issue internally when that first took off? You know, there wasn't um, because in the beginning, when when the whole Tesla thing came up. Um, we were just starting. Actually, we hadn't even started playing with Josh at that point. We had a, a different drummer. It was, it was just Marco and I and a different drummer. Sometimes we even had another friend of mine um, playing rhythm guitar. At, at that point, we weren't sure if we wanted to have a 
be a four piece or a three piece. Um, but because it had started up and, and because it was not like, it was close, it was still at that point more like being a, it was closer to being a solo project, you know what I mean? Like I, I was playing with friends and all that, but um, it, it wasn't so much of a permanent lineup. Like I said, we had another guy who sometimes played guitar, sometimes not. And, and, you know, I knew that everyone in the band wasn't necessarily going to be able to do a full-time band. So it was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm sure eventually we'll probably be playing with different people in this group anyways. Um, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, all everyone in the band was like 100% do or die, you know, sure. all for one do this band and, and quit our jobs and just do this band. It was more like, let's, let's you know, play with A and, and do some gigs and it'll be fun. And, and it was serious for me, and it actually was serious for Marco, too, and we ended up, you know, obviously be turning it into a, a serious, you know, sure. project where we were trying to make a career out of it. But at that point, it, it hadn't become that yet, except for me. So I was thinking, you know, and, and it, did, it, it did definitely weigh on me at that point. Like, I didn't yeah. know if it was the right thing to do, because, you know, my goal has always been to, to have my own band and do this. So I was kind of thinking, well, I don't know if that's a smart thing to do to, to stop and be busy with Tesla, but um, it was also, you know, it felt right, and I loved Tesla, and, and uh, everyone was really cool in the band, and I'd grown up listening to the music, and, um, you know, meeting everybody, it just, it, it felt right, and I like to go with my intuition on, on mm-hmm. a lot of things, uh, especially musically related, and uh, it felt good, and like I said, at the time, I think really, it, it only helped um, every band, because now more people know of us. And I've gotten so much more insights into how uh, the business works and the songwriting and, and touring and all this stuff that it's really just stepped our game up so much more than, than if I had, you know, passed on it. And, yeah. And just playing clubs. Yeah, I have you know? to, to say from, from looking at it as a fan and looking at Tesla's website and, and social networks and stuff, they really do seem to, to be very supportive of Dave Root Band, which is, has got to do nothing but help you guys in the long run. So that's a tremendous opportunity. Uh, question I had for you. How, how did you go about meeting Marco? Marco hails from Peru. Was he, and you're from, yeah. you're from Oakland, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I'm from Albany, which is nearby. So okay. Basically, yeah. So how do you end up with, with a Peruvian bass player? Well, he he uh, he had moved over here, um, got already a few years before uh, before I had met him, and um, had been playing in, in local rock bands around here. And I'd never met him or heard him or anything. He was kind of more in the rock and Espanol scene that was pretty big in the Bay Area for a while, so kind of Spanish rock. Um, and uh, he did really well in that. And uh, anyway, it was a, a band years ago that I was in called The Savings where um, I played guitar. I didn't sing. And um, we were looking for a bass player, and a friend of a friend recommended Marco, and uh, he came in and um, was so great and so cool that, um, you know, he got that gig right away and was, was a part of that band. And, and so we were in that band the service for five years together and became really good friends. Um, and then, uh, you know, when that band broke up, it was, you know, less than a year later that I started my thing, and, and then it became our thing. So it's, it's kind of a round of... of Wild thing, but he he moved to, to America to to you know pursue his dreams of playing rock and roll. Like he, he was a you know Kiss fan and just just lived for rock and roll. So he's like, fuck this, man! I'm I'm moving. I'm going to California and fucking <laughs> moved around the world. 
Yeah, that's that's following your dream there when you go into another country. You know, you always hear about the kids from like Cleveland moving to California, but from Peru to California, that's that's following your dream. Um, you guys have I, a. I didn't speak much English at the time either, so it's yeah. even more, even harder. Um, different, any kind of different influences playing with him as opposed to, you know, I mean, does he bring any kind of musical flavor that maybe uh, Brian Wheat doesn't bring, or I mean, how would you compare the two? I'm just kind of curious. Um, well, I mean, they're, they're very different bass players. Mark, Marco plays um, a lot. He uh, is a lot busier in, in a good way, definitely. I mean, obviously also because of a trio, you know. Yeah, But there's certainly. a lot more space to be busy. Um, and I mean, they definitely both play for the song, but Brian is more, more. Um, he 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 looks. He, he's more. I don't know. More, he'll play more a sort of simple groove, and then throw in he'll write some really killer hooky bass mm-hmm. hook that comes in as like a featured part. But then for the rest of the time, he's happy to just sort of stay there and, and sort of lay down the, the foundation with Troy, which is basically you know the. The, uh, I, I would say a, a, the best attitude almost for a rock and roll bass player. That's kind of the function in the band, and um, and it's a whole art form to itself. It's not easy at all. It's, it's just different. And um, and Marco does the same thing, but he's also like because we're a trio, he's busier. So there's a lot more room to fill up. Yeah. There's only, only the one guitar. It would sound really empty if he didn't put in a lot more bass licks and, and stuff like that. You know, and he plays with a little bit of distortion on. Based the whole time, so that adds a different flavor to it um, sonically, and it fills more space. and And that's why it would probably be difficult for the DRB to have a, a living guitar player at this point, because it, then it would be kind of too messy. Yeah, so yeah. This way, you can always hear it off the other. So I, I would definitely say, yeah, he Marco's got a lot of um, different influences just by virtue of being from South America. He grew up. With different folk music, you know what I mean? Like he, oh, he's a rocker. He grew up on American and English rock and roll, just like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he looks. It's not like he goes home and you know puts on Taylor Swift every night. Yeah, you know, he, he, he Kiss, just like I do. So, but the, the thing is, you know, growing up in the U.S., you grow up in the folk music is you know American folk, country, blues, and you just kind of hear it, even if you never super into it, that's kind of your frame of reference. Well, for him, it was. South American Peruvian folk music, which is different, and it has a completely different rhythm, different rhythmic structure, arrangements of different instrumentation, different. So I think that sort of just by osmosis, because you know, he never like was into that and like played it or anything, but just by hearing that growing up for years and years in the country, you you kind of absorb it. So he comes in and he definitely has a different mentality than most American bass players as far as groove goes and bass line. So it's it's really cool, and I, I think that's what makes us a little unique. Yeah. Just got a little extra flavor. Um, you guys put out an album last year, Carry Me Home, and you are currently in the process of recording some tracks, which look like you might be headed towards another full-length album. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we we um, we started going down to a, our friend's studio uh, called American Made Studios down in um, Fresno, California, uh, with Mark Kapitan, um working with us, and we uh, we we were just going to go down and record a few songs and say. Well, we got, you know, our new website, um, which, you know, we, we put up in the fall, com, and it was kind of around the same time. We were like, well, let's record some songs and uh, give them out as free downloads. So if people go to com, sign our email list, we'll send you a free track. And um, we, we have been doing that, and it's been going really well. And um, 
just to kind of get people to the site, check it out because it was a new site at the time, and you know, hope and you know, stay in touch with the band because that way we're on our email list. You know, every now and again we'll, we'll let them know when we're coming to town or if we have a new album or a new T-shirt or something. You know, just kind of a you know general update on the band and um, and it's worth it to give away a free song. Sure. People are going to become a fan. So you know that's kind of a you know a, definitely a newer business model than the old school way of like, well, here we make a full album and then sell it. Um, you know, but eventually we, we we now are up to nine songs, and we'll probably go down and do some more. So um, we'll kind of start filing them and um, hope to eventually release them on a on actual physical CD as well. Um, but we'll we'll keep doing the download thing and definitely pushing it as an internet based you know enterprise at the moment because that sure. that seems to be where the industry is going and also. It's you know a lot more cost effective at this point. Yeah, and for those old schoolers like myself, you can get uh, both of your 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 two prior albums at CD Baby right now. I checked that out this morning. Yep. Um, you guys are um, going to be firing up the Tesla machine and uh, going back out on the road in April. Is there uh, talks or anything in the plan for a follow up to Forevermore at this point? Yeah, uh, we will probably be putting out something. I would imagine 2012. Now uh, we were we were planning to do it this year, but um, Brian Week's studio burned down, which is where we made Forevermore, mm. um, and he it burned down in the summertime. So um, kind of pushed everything back along uh, a long time, basically about a year. So uh, that's that's kind of where it's at right now. But we'll you know people are working on demos you know individually, and we'll 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 slowly start getting together and start writing some songs pretty soon. But for this summer and stuff, we're probably just going to be doing our normal weekend warrior gigs. Right. Okay. And Tesla, again, the website for that is teslatheband.com. And for those who haven't had the opportunity forevermore, got to be right up there with mechanical resonances in strength of material. Just a phenomenal record you guys did in 2008. Um, yeah, and and the 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 reel to reel series was was a great uh, little treat for the fans. I think um, you guys put your spins on some older tunes. Um, do you expect to do some Dave Rude band dates? You kind of interspersed with Tesla, or is Tesla kind of all encompassing when you guys are in motion? Oh, you know, no, we're definitely going to be doing um, Dave Rude dates as well because, uh, like I said, when with without a new album to promote. Tesla, we usually don't really like go out on like a a long tour, like leg as a tour. You know, we'll go mm-hmm. out for a few days and then come home for a few weeks. You know, okay. so um, so you know, I might be gone one weekend with Tesla, and the next weekend, uh, you know, David Van will be doing gigs. Like David Van's already, uh, we're already planning to um, come back to the Midwest again in um, late May. We've already booked some. We're, we're close to confirming. Another little run out there. We were, we were there last month, um, Kansas City, Wichita, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of area. And we're going to go back again in, in the end of May. And then um, we're also planning to come to the East Coast um, probably later in the summertime and do, and do a little run over there. So that, and, and, you know, that'll all be in, in between Tesla dates as well. So that's that's another upside of of the um, just said Tesla scheduling, you know, I'm able to do both. Yeah, which is phenomenal. You can keep uh, the momentum of you built over the last couple of years with your own band and uh, still have uh, get out there and bang out the hits with the guys from uh, Tesla. Well, Dave, I want to thank you so take you thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us today. Uh, Thank you for having me, man. It's been great talking to you. No problem.
All right, there you have yours to hold from Dave Rood Band. I want to thank the publicity team of Dave Rood Band, uh, Christine and their manager, Amy, for getting me that interview with uh, him. Uh, it was really great guy to talk to, very humble. Now we're going to get into another interview I did with uh, vocalist of the band Kingdom Come. For those of you who might recognize the name, Kingdom Come was a band that had come to Pittsburgh uh, as part of the Monsters of Rock in, I believe, 1988, 1989, that uh, big outdoor concert that Van Halen, Metallica, the Scorpions, and Dokken did at the uh, Three Rivers Stadium. Kingdom Come featured at the time on guitarist Danny Stagg, who, as many of you know, was related, or is related, I should say, to Paul and John Steigerwald of uh, KDKA fame. So we uh, thought it would be interesting to kind of catch up and see what's going on with Kingdom Come. They are releasing a new album uh, late March called Rendered Water. So the album features uh, some re-recordings of some songs, not only from uh, Kingdom Come, but also Stone Fury, which was Lenny Wolf's previous band. So here's one of those tracks now. This is called Break Down the Walls. Tell me everything 
right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show the mastermind behind the band Kingdom Come, Lenny Wolf. How are you doing today, Lenny? Yes, thanks. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? Uh, rock and roll, hallelujah. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I don't know the phrase, but I mean it. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, um, you've got a new record that's going to be uh, dropping in the United States pretty soon, but I uh, just had a couple questions uh, leading up to uh, some of the, the points of your career that have always kind of been curious to me. Can you talk just a little bit about the decision to make the move from Stone Fury to uh, kind of assembling Kingdom Come a little bit? Yeah, to make a long story, like really long now, uh, <laughs> basically Stone Fury was a well-paid education process. Mm-hmm. I mean, I there was a young German coming to L.A. Uh, I hardly spoke any English. I mean, I was covering Beatles songs back then, and not, not, not knowing what I was singing when I was yelling, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there I was, and um, uh, my former manager and diplomatic buffer zone and, and friend and kind of father figure, Marty Wolf, he, he got me in touch with Bruce Gowdy, Gowdy, who I formed Stone Fury with. But it was never like a real healthy Set up, if, I mean, I mean, to put it lightly, Bruce is a wonderful guy, very talented, great writer, but he came more from the pop side, and I came more, more from the cornerstone, like just really like the, the rough side of the moon, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, and, uh, I remember Marty Wolf uh, paying for a couple of demos when I came out to the States for the very first time. We went into the studio in, in L.A. with Andy Jones, great guy too, but you really got to be able to listen to his life stories like on a daily basis. But other than that, he's a great guy. He actually worked with Zeppelin back in the old days. And um, so we did a couple of demos, and then I flew back to Germany, biting my nails, waiting for Marty to call me to ask me to come back, which he did a few weeks later. And um, I came back from this whole Stone Fury thing. I started taking off. Actually, the labels went, went bananas over Stone Fury, which I was very excited about, of course. Mm-hmm. But in the end, unfortunately, Stone Fury didn't really sell any records. And uh, it may have had to do with, uh, I don't know, wrong imaging, bad packaging. I have no idea. But uh, especially throughout the second record, I mean, that really turned into a nightmare. I was asked to work with a country producer who I did not get along with at all. I mean, he... He didn't know how to spell rock and roll, right? And there I was with limited English and uh, being impatient and being a perfectionist and not being able to articulate myself uh, very well. So this this whole thing basically turned to shit. I think we had some good potential, but uh, the songs just, I mean, just listening to it now nowadays is just a nightmare. I, that's the way I feel about it, at least. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, basically, uh, after Storm Fury, I only saw two or three records. Uh, we split, and uh, I was just hiding myself in my little apartment back then, just writing, writing, writing. And then after I finished uh, several demos on my four-track Capcom studio, <laughs> go to good old days, it's funny. Yeah. Um, but Marty Wolf uh, just took the demos and went shopping, and uh, at that time, basically, all of America passed. I mean, they just didn't know, and they just didn't want to know about uh, 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 Lenny and, and Stone Fury didn't work and blah, blah, blah. Except Derek Shulman. Uh, he was a singer himself. The band called Gentle Giants, and at that time he was the head of the A&R department for Polygram in New York. So, and she said, I let you have the potential, but you get up for the band together and let me introduce you to uh, Bob Rock, who until that day only uh, engineered things. And uh, that ended up to be the first, first band he co-produced with my mother self, and uh, that was one of those best times I've had. A uh, great guy, he really knew how to get the best out of the band without changing you. And uh, he got a great sense for songs, arrangement, and so on. So, I mean, it was meant to be cosmic, great, fantastic, wonderful experience. 
I auditioned uh, musicians in LA um, by a, uh, an agency uh, which was uh, 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 run, uh, uh, no, God, my English sometimes sucks, pardon me. Lucy Forbes had a friend of mine who was running this like a musician agency trying, uh, uh, helping to connect musicians who were looking for a gig, right? So uh, she, she was lining up several guys and uh, I had a had a sufficient lots of players and then James came in, he played a couple of songs on his drums and she doesn't meet me out. Uh, still until today I dearly love him, great guy, great player. Actually just saw him a couple of years ago in Russia when we played with when we um, played with the Scorpions and his crew the Rasmus because James as you probably know is now drumming for the Scorpions, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, that's how I met Danny as well, great guitar player. I mean, he just basically got uh, Jimi Hendrix tone going, which he was a big, big fan of. And uh, he brought along Jeremy Frank, mm-hmm. bass player. He couldn't really play bass as well, but he was a great guy. There are two things in common, cars and women, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And back then, I mean, I noticed, you probably noticed by now already, I'm talking like Speedy Gonzalez. I should be talking slower, but I don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, Johnny was, Johnny Kellogg was the opposite. He was like very calm, he got this very low voice. I always called him Yugi B and I was like speaking as honest. So he, he kind of, we kind of adapted very well. It was great hanging out with him and, uh, oh yeah, and not to forget, um, uh, Rick Steyer, another Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, from, uh, the James' best friend, uh, best, best friend, uh, at that time who played the guitar. So then, uh, uh Four or five hungry young cats uh, ready to rock, and that's basically how it started. Uh, just in case I'm rambling on for too long or too too much, just just stop me, okay? No, no, that's okay. I mean, that was a, an extremely exciting time. Uh, exciting time. I mean, you guys um, in the United States is is a fan of music in that era. I I don't remember much about Stone Fury other than obviously uh, Break Down the Walls, and then. I remember Kingdom Come, and I, I think I had bought the cassette really early on, and then it was like a. Are you war- the one? I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> that, was, that was me, and then um, it was like a whirlwind. I mean, you guys went from kind of unknown in the United States to being, you know, as part of the Monsters of Rock festival, uh, and, and here you are coming to our town, play, playing a stadium. Ended up to become. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just. No, that's okay. Finish. Sorry, uh, because of the connection, which is not that great. Sometimes I can't hear if you finish or not. Sorry about that. Um, no, but this is exactly uh, one uh, one of the downsides, uh, which I realize now many years later, obviously, back then, um, that we didn't have a chance to really bond as a as a band, as, as like a gang, like a bunch of people, like really like uh, starting slowly and developing and maturing. And then and being ready for this, uh, you know, uh, excitement, which also brought along a lot of pressure. I mean, bands like whatever, Beatles, ACDC, whatever you want to name them all, uh, they all like spend years and years together playing like uh, clubs and like, like going the hard way, but that kind of like made, made the core of the band be very strong. They adapted to each other also on a creative level, level, uh, but it's like the whole writing process, uh, uh, was more like a, like a strong, force was inside the band. In our case, it was just like, you know, uh, four guys who kind of adapted to my, my already existing songs. Yeah. And we to the pool, all of a sudden, four weeks later, we just took off like, like, like a rocket, and that just uh, brought along, unfortunately, some, you know, not so pleasant moments, which led uh, the band to actually break up fairly early. 
also with uh, with the nineties coming around the corner, we all remember the the, the Seattle sound. Sure. We kind of like uh, put down all the seventies, eighties bands for a while, and now not that uh, everything uh, out of Seattle is bad. I mean, I'm a very very big Chris Cornell fan, for example. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I like some of stuff, but I'm just saying bands from the seventies, eighties, all of a sudden had a bad time. Or like a very difficult time, and uh, Jimmy kind of didn't have didn't have the time like 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 a Bon Jovi or Erasmus or whatever to like uh, build a real stable and big fan base. I mean, we 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 only been around basically two and a half years, and then boop, we were gone. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no complaints. Life is good. Yeah, and I think you bring up an excellent point. I mean, you guys didn't have the luxury—I don't want to say the luxury because it certainly isn't a luxury—of of doing that. You know, five guys playing small clubs and then getting into theaters and, and working your way up. You kind of were thrust. You know, here's forty thousand people at, at two in the afternoon or whatever time you know your slot was, and you know that's got to be a tough thing. And uh, you know, unfortunately. Well, I that's what I was trying to say. I mean, it was a great experience, and nobody can take it away from me. And I'm very grateful that I was able to make that experience. I mean, mm-hmm. the most of rock will be stuck in my brain for the rest of my for my life. I mean, it's it's been phenomenal. But again, it brought along, you know, like I said, cost, pressure, a lot of false decisions, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially since I'm a night, I was having to get up at noon and singing at 2 p.m. That was a real pain on my vocal. But hey, those are issues, you know, gotta be dealt with. It's okay, no regrets, life continues, and as you know, I'm still putting out the stuff, hoping that someone will like it, and in the meantime, I'm just gonna have some coffee and stay at the clouds, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's one thing that I, I would really like to, to mention to, to people here in North America, is that you guys, uh, oh, there's almost no gap in your discography from the first album, through uh, you know this year's uh, rendered waters album, I mean you have maybe a year or two in between albums, but there's really no been no hiatus in Kingdom Come no, the band. I'm writing and creating is a necessity for me. It's something I gotta do. Okay, like 25 years ago, I got into for the chicks and for the music. Now it's more for the music mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm 27 now. Right? Yeah, yeah, 27. <laughs> no, but, uh, 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 no, seriously, this is something I gotta do. I mean, every time I finish a CD, I'm, 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 I'm thrilled, I'm excited. I deal with a typical emotional roller coaster, like worrying about whether somebody will like it or, or, or not at all, or blah blah blah. It's just the usual, but it's it's a very fulfilling thing uh, for me to to experience every time I finish something. And believe me, it's a lot of hard work sometimes. I'm sitting in, in my creative bubble in my studio. Sometimes it's really a battle, you know, a battle of sounds and audio. Uh, 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 tricks and, and the difficultiesses of blah blah, especially since I'm producing it myself, and I'm not exactly like a top ten producer. I have a top. I went to music school learning all this shit, so I just basically taught it all myself. Just like I did playing guitar, bass, on my vocal. I never saw school from the inside in terms of music. So uh, uh, that's why I uh, think that certain things can come up. Uh, uh, appear a bit extra difficult, but the battle is kind of fun. I mean, I love the challenge. And in the end, when, it, when, when it's all done, uh, you know, it's, that's what life is worth living for. By the way, the director of Master by a guy called Hannah Rubenstein. He's actually from New York, but he lives in Berlin now. And I think he did a great job. He gave it that extra beef, uh, air, and pressure, you know. It's, I think he did a good job there. Yeah. Would you like to talk just a little bit about the, the new record, Rendered Waters, exactly uh, what fans can expect? I've had the, the pleasure of listening to the album and really had no idea what to expect and was it was delighted to hear 
the material. Do you want to talk a little bit about what what that is? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there's no no, no particular uh, deep deep uh, deep story, but it's just, just basically I've, I've been thinking about re-recording uh, some of the very very old for, for for the last two three years now, especially since the band has been playing the songs differently than the original were, meaning heavier, but slower, just changing a few elements. And I was very keen on. Um, not really calling our so-called hits like "Get Along with Love" can be "Do You Like It" or "Twelve Fools" or whatever, uh, which which a label would have uh, liked me to do. But I, I, I ask them, please, uh, let's not 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 do that. Let, I mean, let me pick songs which have not seen the light of the day, or not not so intensively at least. And I just picked my uh, you know, some of my favorite songs and uh, just did what I wanted to do at the particular time. I didn't reinvent the songs. I didn't. I didn't want to change them too drastically, otherwise I would have ruined the red thread, which is, you know, uh, which, which has given the song its its thing, whatever it is. You know? So, but I tried to uh, uh, transport it into 2011 in a way that I like to listen to the songs nowadays. Now, when I get goosebumps, I know I've done okay. And after that, uh, all I can do is hope for people to like it as well. But uh, that's basically all there is to say. I mean, uh, I, we all have uh, um, um, uh, our, our hearing habits have changed over the years, for example. I mean, the, the productions have changed, sounds have changed. And uh, so some people are stuck in the 70s and they don't want to hear anything else. Some people grow with it. Some people are deaf. Some people like both. That's where I'm coming from. I like a good old fucked up Hendrix or Zeppelin uh, production as much as like a very clean, pressurized, trans techno, whatever stuff I use mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Uh, from a producer's point of view. So um, I just tried the best I can. It's a very pure, innocent moment while I'm creating. And uh, why things happen or don't happen or how they happen, in the end, nobody really knows. It's just this thing. Uh, so in the meantime, like I said, uh, as Bon Scott was saying from ACDC, doing nothing means a lot to me. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, before we go, one one thing that uh, I've been wanting to ask you specifically, do you see a time where there might be a tour of the United States in the cards for the band? Uh, you know, I don't want to bullshit any of your listeners, you or myself. Uh, nowadays, you know, the whole touring issue has become very difficult. I mean, we all know that even big, very big bands from the 70s or 80s playing clubs. Mm-hmm. So, meaning the financial aspect is, is definitely an issue. And for, for my crew and the band to come out to the States, we're talking like minimum five grand just for working visas, right? Yeah. Then they're all going to be fed. And believe it or not, they want to make money, isn't that strange? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a lot of issues. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a question of us going to come out there. It's, it's more a question of making it doable. Right. Uh, but we would love to play the States, especially since I'm emotionally very connected to the States. I mean, I, I, I used to live in LA for 10 years. Yeah. But to me, it means a lot. So we would love, we would love to come out there. And uh, especially now, uh, our uh, tour production manager, Frank Kaskowski, he has moved to Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. German guys, well. so he's now looking into the touring situation uh, um, closer to the action, and um, we'll see what he's going to be able to come up with. But to sum it all up, we'd love to play the stage, it's just a question of when and how. Sure, yeah, I mean, I know there's a, they're starting to see a little bit more of the European-style festivals than there used to be in the United States. There used to be, you know, Bakken and things like that. Uh, we uh, over here on on this side of the the ocean always had to be very jealous, but I think we're starting to see maybe not as diverse musically as a Vakin. We're starting to see more like niche festivals that are very dedicated to forms of music. So, you know, I hope. Mean, I mean, I mean, 
Honest, I mean, I mean, I mean, I live like like 20 minutes away from the Vatican Festival, and it's 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 Europe's it's the biggest event there. But honestly, it's more like an event of tons of people getting together and just throwing knowledge at, at each other and having a good time. I don't want to down it, please don't get me wrong. But if I want to see a band, like we, I mean, if it's all about the music, I much more prefer like a club or a theater mm-hmm. or like a, like a hall or something. Uh, just like I don't really care much for like daylight festivals. I mean, it's nice like playing some acoustic guitar in the sun and like whistling along with the birds and blah, blah, blah. But King and Come is a very heavy emotional band. And mm-hmm. for the dark, not having to sing my ass at 2 p.m., I prefer like 9 or 10 or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, from a financial aspect, of course, definitely the, the festival you should have mentioned is definitely a big success, but not something I'm totally crazy about, you know what I mean? I prefer an intimate situation, even smaller, but making sure all the people out there to see can come means more to me than playing with other 15,000 ACDC fans, for example, which I would not want to open for because it's kind of like a, a what do you call a self-assumption. You know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sure. Well, uh, Lenny, I want to thank you uh, very much for taking the time uh, to, to call over here to the it, States. I yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time today. I wish you all the best. Again, the new album is going to be coming out, and uh, Rendered Waters is going to be coming out April 5th in the United States, I believe through SPV, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And uh, let me thank you for my end very, very much as well. Uh, I appreciate the support, spread the word. And in the meantime, I wish all of you guys out there in a wonderful 2011. And let's hope that peace is going to be among us. And until then, rock and roll. All right. Thank you so much, Lenny. You have a great day. Thank you very much. Again, truly, thank you so much. Take care. Take care, bud. Social Distortion Live. May 11, 7 o'clock doors. Stage AE. Social Distortion with special guests Chuck Reagan and Sharks. Social Distortion. May 11th, 7 o'clock doors, stage AE. Social Distortion with special guests Chuck Reagan and Sharks. Now, at all Ticketmaster locations, charge by phone at 800-745-3000 or online at Ticketmaster.com. For more information, visit PromoWestLive.com. Pick up Social Distortion's new album, Hard Times and Nursery Rhymes, in stores now on Epitaph Records. Social Distortion, brought to you by Promo West, North Shore.
Fired the ball for New York Dolls. A one-time only event. July 24th, doors at 5:30 at Stage AE Outdoors. Motley Crew. Poison. Are on sale now at Ticketmaster Outlets. Call 800 745 3000 or at Ticketmaster.com. For more info, visit PromoWestLive.com. Motley Crew, Poison, and the New York Dogs. More info at Motley.com. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore. All right, that was Pushing Hard from the new Kingdom Come album, Rendered Waters. You just heard a commercial there for the new Motley Crew Poison show that was announced at Stage E. And this sounds like a great time to announce three new contests we have coming up. If you go to ironcityrocks.com, click on the contest links. There is now links to win tickets to see Poison, Motley Crew, and the New York Dolls. Also, Social Distortion, which will be Stage AE's first outdoor concert. And also, the Monkees, uh, several members of the original Monkees are going to be reuniting to do a show out there as well. For the Motley Crew Poison show, you need a password. That password is LiveWire. For the Social Distortion Contest, you need a password. That password is Ness, N-E-S-S, which is Mike Ness, the uh, singer's last name. And for the monkeys, uh, no password for that. Just uh, fill out your information, and uh, we promise no spam. So head on over to ironcityrocks.com and click on the contest link to get in on all of those. And a special thanks to Promo West for providing those tickets to be given away. And we're going to leave you now with a band from Pittsburgh. This was Pittsburgh Magazine's best rock band on their readers poll in 2010 this is 28 north and you can find more information about them at 28 north
All right, we want to thank you for hanging in again. That was 28 North, and this is our 100th podcast, so it's uh, obviously going into overtime for us. And I want to thank you for sticking in there. You can find more information about us at ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks, etc. Uh, we invite you to drop us feedback at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. I appreciate any and all feedback on iTunes as well. So until next time, we thank you, and we hope to make the next 100 even better. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.